Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. and You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He is a senior uh, legal fellow with Pacific Legal Foundation. Also, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, will be joining us. Entrepreneur, author, and screenwriter uh, Jeff Hayes will be joining us. His new book is just out, Entrepreneurial Brain, How to Ride the Ways of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It. And also Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It is uh, October the 6th, and on this day in 1973, the surprise attack by Egyptian and Syrian forces on Israel threw the Middle East into turmoil and threatened to bring the United States and the Soviet Union into direct conflict for the first time since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. Though actual combat did not break out between the two nations, the events surrounding the Yom Kippur War seriously damaged the U.S.-Soviet relations and all but destroyed President Nixon's much-publicized policy of detente. Initially, it appeared that Egypt and Syria would emerge victorious from the conflict. Armed with up-to-date Soviet weaponry, the two nations hoped to avenge their humiliating defeat in the Six-Day War of 1967. Israel, caught was uh, caught off guard, initially reeled under the two-front attack, but Israeli uh, counterattacks turned the tide, aided by massive amounts of U.S. military assistance, as well as disorganization among the Syrian and Egyptian forces. The Syrians were driven back, with uh, Israeli troops uh, seizing the strategically important Golan Heights. Uh, Egypt and their forces fared even worse, retreating back through the Sinai Desert. Thousands of their troops were surrounded and cut off by the Israeli army. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger, together with Soviet counterparts, eventually arranged a shaky ceasefire when it became clear that Israel would not give up the siege of Egyptian troops, who were low on food and medicine at the time. The Soviets uh, threatened to take unilateral action to rescue them. Tempers flared in both Washington and Moscow. U.S. military forces went to stage three alert. That's uh, stage one is when war breaks out. The Soviet backed down on their threat, but the damage to the relationship between the two nations was serious and long-lasting. Kitchener worked uh, furiously to bring about a peace settlement between Israel and Syria and Egypt. In what would be known as the shuttle diplomacy, the Secretary of State flew from nation to nation, hammering out details of a peace accord. Eventually, Israeli troops withdrew from some of the positions in both Sinai and Syrian territory, while Egypt uh, promised to forego the use of force in its dealings with Israel. Syria grudgingly accepted the peace plan, but remained adamantly opposed to the existence of the Israeli state. Well, then uh, presidential candidate Joe Biden vowed in 2020 that not another foot of wall would be constructed at the southern border during the Biden administration. Fast uh, forward three plus years to Wednesday and the Biden administration cleared the way to resume Texas border wall construction. So interesting to watch the crooked Joe Biden break every environmental rule in the book to prove that I was right when I built 560 miles they incorrectly said it was 450, uh, a brand new, beautiful border wall Trump posted on True Social. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has opted to waive a litany of laws and regulations to swiftly construct more border wall in a key Texas hotspot for illegal crossings. Citing the 1996 Illegal Immigration Reform and uh, Immigrant Responsibility Act, Mayorkas noted that Congress granted the Secretary of Homeland Security the authority to waive all legal requirements that I, in my sole discretion, determine necessary to ensure the expeditious construction of barriers and roads authorized by the Act. In total, Mayorkas planned to waive a total of 26 federal laws to expedite construction. The notice further highlighted that 245,000 migrants encountered uh, that occurred over the past year in the Rio Grande Valley sector, which occur, includes Starr County. Since President Joe Biden took office, law enforcement has encountered more than 7 million 
people illegally entering the country. In light of the surge in illegal immigration, um, Mayorkas found that there exists an acute and an immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. Nothing about we're going to continue. President Trump was right. <laughs> we're going to do what he planned in the initially. No, nothing like that. It's almost as if it's uh, his idea. <clears throat> Former President Trump reached in the White House in 2016, campaigning heavily on a promise to construct a border wall, though the Biden administration terminated plans for continuing construction when he took office in 2021. The former president's campaign team took Mayorkas' decision as a vindication, telling Fox News that President Trump is always right. That's why he built the close to 500 miles of uh, powerful new wall on the border and would have been uh, finished by now. Instead, Crooked Joe turned our country into one giant sanctuary for dangerous criminal aliens, he said. President Joe Biden currently has a 33.6% approval rating on immigration, according to Real Clear Politics. A further 62.8% disapprove of his handling of the issue. Uh, of course, oh, this is one big Biden capitulation. So uh, obviously a lot of pressure coming in from mayors and uh, governors of uh, inland uh, in, uh, interior uh, country where uh, so many of these uh, migrants are ending up. Well, a Russian missile strike in eastern Ukraine killed at least 51 people yesterday, according to reports, marking one of the most deadliest and single attacks by either side since Russia invaded Ukraine last February. Ukrainian officials said the attack struck a grocery store in a village and came as residents, residents were attending a memorial service in the vicinity. The strike comes as Ukrainian counteroffensive is uh, to reclaim territory, makes slower than anticipated progress. The country's forces have worked to drive a wedge southward, which would potentially isolate Russia's alternate supply routes to the strategic Crimean Peninsula and its troops along the southern bank of the uh, Dipno River. Analysts said both sides are likely to begin fortifying their positions for the coming winter season when temperatures typically drop below freezing from December to March. Well, the portion of Americans sending additional weapons uh, to Ukraine is on the rise, uh, growing by 7% against, I should say, against sending additional weapons, uh, uh, growing by 7% since May, according to a Reuters uh, Ipsos poll. The poll published uh, on Thursday indicates that support for the Ukrainian war is waning as 46% of Americans were in favor of shipping weapons to uh, the country in May, but now it's down to 41%. <clears throat> Conversely, 26% of Americans were against sending weapons in May, but that number has surged now to 35%. This marks an 11-point swing in the change of public opinion. Well, uh, investigative journalist Natalie Winters, and if you don't know Natalie Winters, uh, she's the uh, executive director for Steve Bannon's War Room, I should say executive editor. Uh, she's a journalist, and uh, she's 21 years old, went to the University of Chicago. She shared her latest story that former Representative Jim Moran is being paid by the Ukrainian government to lobby his former colleagues to continue funding Ukraine efforts. Here's what she wrote. Former Congressman Jim Moran, who, of course, became a lobbyist after leaving Washington, D.C., believed it's not, not, only, uh, one, not only one of his new clients about six days ago as the Ukrainian government. He's receiving $25,000 a month for at least a year to lobby his former colleagues to give them more foreign aid in the weapon, form of weapons, arms, and billions of taxpayer dollars. And what's so curious is, and this again, Natalie uh, Winters, is I actually obtained the letter detailing the agreement between Moran Global Strategies and the Ukrainian government ministry showing their terms of work, the payment. And what is so interesting is the payment is not actually coming from the government ministry. It's coming from a shady nonprofit that basically you can't even find online. As an investigative reporter, I can find almost anything. There's almost no trace of this entity, a very innocuously named Ukraine Freedom, and that is who is funneling the money to the D.C.-based consulting firm. Like I said, a former Democrat member of Congress who is now making at the end of the year what is, appears to be six figures, just lobbying his old colleagues to give Ukraine more dollars. Uh, Ukraine situation, pretty corrupt. Thank you, Natalie Winters, uh, for that information. 
Well, this is scary. The Russian public has been taking part in nuclear attack drills across the country as the nation appears to be preparing for World War III. On Tuesday and Wednesday, sirens blasted out over Russia as a part of a bone-chilling drill for the incoming nuclear attack. Children at every Russian school donned gas masks while uh, civilians flocked to bomb shelters and workers hid under benches. Can you believe that? The eerie siren could be heard across the country. Terrifying messages were also broadcast live at, as Russian President, President Vladimir Putin ordered every single citizen to comply with the World War III drill. I'm not making this up. Scary. Well, former President Donald Trump will endorse Rep. Representative uh, Jim Jordan's bid for Speaker of the House. Uh, this uh according to Nels, Troy Nels of Texas. Just had a great conversation with President Trump about the speaker's race Nels posted on Twitter. He's endorsing Jim Jordan, and I believe Congress should listen to the leader of our party. I fully support Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. <clears throat> well, of course, some people are pushing for President Trump to become Speaker of the House. He said he'd entertain the idea for a short term, and then he mentioned 100 days. So I wonder what he will do about this, whether he'll uh, go and serve as Speaker of the House for 100 days or whether he'll let Jim Jordan take the reins. We'll see how this all unfolds. I would suspect, and my guess is, that Trump will end up in Washington, D.C., in the nation's capital, uh, to address Congress, I would guess, on Tuesday. Let's see what happens. Well, yet another reason the blue states are becoming unlivable, expensive renewable energy standards drive up the cost of heating at a home, powering a factory, or running a business. Uh, the Department of Energy just released the most recent average retail prices of electricity in the 50 states and D.C. Most blue states are paying at least 50% more, and that's sometimes twice as much, for power than the red states. Florida ranks 21st, about half of the cost for a unit of energy, uh, as in Connecticut, California, or New Hampshire. Can you imagine? It's another good reason that, uh, for people and businesses leaving the uh, blue states. Good advice for states who should abolish renewable requirements or count natural gas, hydropower, and nuclear as clean energy, which, of course, they are. Washington State, ironically, it's a blue state, has very low power costs because how do they do it? Well, Washington gets more energy from hydropower than any other state. Want more green energy? We need more dams, except the green energy uh, folks uh, are against that too, unfortunately. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow with uh, the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that Lulubee's Diner commercial is about breakfast and lunch, but now serving dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is just terrific. Great comfort food, great seafood. Chef Richie just does a great job at Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Study at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a Senior Legal Fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a nonprofit law firm, and we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. And, of course, that has big impact on policy and correction, so I just really appreciate the work of the Pacific Legal Foundation. So, William, uh, a lot going on in Capitol Hill uh, again, with the big changes that we've had, I just want to get your comments and thoughts about the the spending saga and the change of speakership. Well, indeed, quite a week it's been. Um, the spending saga ended over the weekend, um, about three hours before the government shutdown was supposed to commence. And, um, you know, we spoke about it Friday after Friday. And after all of that, Congress ended up doing uh, what it's done all too often over the last 40-odd years, which is to say they punted. Um, They passed a stopgap spending bill, um, and the leadership gave members about 90 minutes to read 1,000 pages worth of legislation, um, and they kicked the can down the road, put spending on autopilot. Um, And that is, uh, as listeners, uh, as anyone who's heard me talk on Fridays or any of the prior Fridays, would no doubt know that's a very disappointing result, and it's the reason that we've now got a, a federal deficit or federal debt of thirty-two odd trillion dollars. Um, now, the consequences of this, uh, you know, there had been some Freedom Caucus members, and in particular, Representative Gates, Matt Gates, had warned McCarthy. They said, if he does this, if, if it's the business as usual, then they will offer what is known as a motion to vacate, which is this mechanism by which the entire House. Um, can remove the speaker, uh, whoever is serving as speaker. Um, Gates did so on, I believe, Monday, um, and the vote was held on Tuesday. And in a 200, uh, it was 216 to 210 was the final roll call. That was eight Republicans and then uh, all Democrats who were present um, that that formed the majority there um, voted to oust McCarthy. Um, and I, on this, I'm a little bit torn. I mean, on the one hand, I do believe that leadership, uh, you know, should carry consequences and that the, there was a failing of leadership here, that a business as usual is not good enough. Um, on the other hand, I am uh, given somewhat caution by the fact that it was performed, you know, with an overwhelming Democrat majority. Um, that said, I am hopeful. Um, and this is a theme I've echoed on prior Fridays, but uh, one of the reasons that spending has gotten out of control is that over the last 40 years, power in the House of Representatives in particular has centralized in leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we have this phenomenon why, whereby members uh, leadership imposes a thousand-page bill upon members who are given you know, an hour to read it. Um, that's not the way things used to work. Right. So uh, I'm somewhat hopeful that this would uh, put wind in the sails of forces of decentralization, to getting committees 
um, back to being powerful. I mean, committees, are, the congressional committees, are supposed to be the locus right. of authority in a uh, in Congress. So, it, it is uh, on the one hand, it, it well, shoot, I'll know this in the immediate term. Um, we've got to get a speaker in the House. I mean, they can't do any legislating until. Um, one is in place, and we've currently got two representatives, uh, Steve Scalise from Louisiana and Jim Jordan from Ohio, vying it out. Um, so in the immediate term, uh, we've got a leadership battle. In the medium to long term, I'm cautiously hopeful. I'm an optimist by nature that um, this could make the House a better place. I agree with that 100%, uh, William. And, uh, the, I think what uh, a lot of people were resenting what uh, Gates did I frankly think it was a great thing. I think it uh, it's kind of like a break shot in pool. Things are changing. Uh, we're not going to go along with uh, what we've been doing in the past. And uh, I think it's a warning shot to any new speaker that we're going to hold you accountable. And if you don't, if you don't do what you promise you're going to do, <clears throat> there are going to be consequences, including a, a motion to vacate. It is, again, that is reasoning um, to which I'm sympathetic. I'm a little bit torn that it was accomplished primarily by the Democrats, but what you speak is, is, in my mind, correct. I mean, the fact is, business as usual isn't good enough. And there were plenty of warnings that if McCarthy took this course, there would be repercussions. Um, so that is, I'm not quite certain he was the man for a job, for, for the job. Um, and I'm, again, I'm somewhat hopeful that this would lend itself to weakening the leadership of the, the speakership's role sort of as a more general matter that towards decentralizing power to individual lawmakers such that these momentous decisions and deliberations aren't conducted by you know three people behind closed doors in a smoky room. Uh, so well said. Also, before I let you go, I wonder if you had any comments about uh, uh, Trump's situation in the New York court. Uh, it's, it seems like a legal travesty, but what are your thoughts? <laughs> Indeed. So this is one of two trials in New York. This is the civil trial brought by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. Um, she's seeking a $250 million penalty and also banned Trump from doing business in the state. Uh, in the state. Uh, I'll echo what I've said in prior, prior Fridays. Um, if he wasn't Trump, this prosecution wouldn't have occurred. Right. Um, this sort of reeks as the most politicized, perhaps, of all five. Um, and perhaps the thinnest as well. But Trump has been in court a couple of the days, and indeed the, tr the judge this week issued a gag order. Um, so sort of all the things, the, uh, the, the unfortunate possibilities um, that we've spoken about before seem to have come to pass. Um, so it, it seems as though, it, at least in my humble opinion, I don't live in New York, that perhaps they've got bigger fish to fry. But, um, you know, again, I guess... That's the nature of politicized justice these days. Exactly. Law, lawfare is what it amounts to, and uh, the charges are egregious. There's no basis in law for the charges that are being made. Nobody was harmed. Nobody was harmed uh, by the action of the president and, and his company. So it's a, it's a sad day for uh, the justice system. Again, uh, William Yateman, legal, uh, senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation, encouraged you to visit the very robust website, pacificlegal.org, pacificlegal.org. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank you, William. <clears throat> All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. 
Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. I hope you'll visit the website and check out the great performances coming up. Get some tickets. The website is gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Jeff Hayes. He's an author, a new book coming out, The Entrepreneurial Brain, How to Ride the Waves of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Uh, our mission is to expand human liberty in all areas of human endeavor, and my my job is to do that in healthcare. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, Michael, I understand uh, there's some new ideas floating around about expanding Medicaid. Maybe you can tell us about it. Well, right. So I just read a paper by a couple of our adjunct scholars at the Cato Institute. Two law professors, one uh, David Hyman of Georgetown University. He's also a an MD, he's a doctor, and Charlie Silver of UT Austin. And what they propose is, for states like Florida, there's 10 states, Florida's one of them, that has not adopted Obamacare's Medicaid expansion, uh, which would expand, open the Medicaid program to every adult, to eight, and what that means is able-bodied adults who are making... $20,000 a year or less. Uh, what that would, uh, what they propose for those states that have not expanded the Medicaid program in this way is that they could do so, uh, but instead of giving people the traditional package of Medicaid benefits, the, sta- the states would instead give those new Medicaid enrollees cash. Cash that they could put into a health savings account and used to purchase health insurance or pay for their medical expenses and is a really intriguing idea because it would use markets uh, to set prices. It would encourage Medicaid enrollees to be more careful with the subsidy that they're getting to demand lower prices and price transparency and that sort of thing. I think ultimately the problems it creates would be greater than uh, than, than the benefits of the idea, but it does point the way, I think, toward some uh, better ways of doing the Medicaid program mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and uh, definitely a better way of reforming, say, the Medicare program. So what, what are the economics for the individual who ends up on, with this cash subsidy as opposed to uh, medical free, free medicine is what a, medical health care is what it amounts to? Uh, would the, the consumer, would the individual on this Medicaid program be better off? So it depends. You know, if it depends on, on the amount of the check that you're getting from the Medicaid program. If that would be a bigger subsidy than what you were getting before when Medicaid was just giving you a government-defined health insurance plan, then you'd be better off. Uh, if that subsidy is smaller, then uh, you would not be. And uh, that's the trick, because when the government creates this sort of subsidy program, 
It has to use some sort of process, some sort of rule to decide how big a check it's going to give to every enrollee. And uh, and there's going to be fear on the part of some enrollees and a lot of uh, a, a lot of pro Medicaid ideologues, but also on the part of a lot of healthcare providers that the checks are not going to be big enough, and so they're going to they're all going to lobby the government to make those checks larger, and that it's going to increase the cost of uh, the Medicaid program, so that. Uh, one of these, uh, this sort of experiment could end up costing taxpayers even more than mm. the Medicaid program, uh, just expanding the Medicaid program under current law would. Another thing that might drive up the price of, or the drive up the, the cost of this type of a Medicaid expansion is when you give people a government defined package of health insurance benefits a certain number of people will show up to claim that subsidy. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people will not. A lot, a lot of people who are eligible for the Medicaid program don't enroll. But when you offer cash instead of health insurance, mm-hmm. a lot of more people will show up for that because that's a much more valuable benefit. It's much more flexible. And those folks uh, will uh, who wouldn't have cost the government anything will show up to claim that subsidy and again, the cost of this sort of an approach to the taxpayer is going to be higher. So what about the concern that, uh, for example, if somebody's on Medicaid and they uh, call their doctor and make an appointment, Medicaid is a big government entity that uh, has a lot of influence and you, you, know, you have certain rules that you have to follow. If you show up with cash, I would think that the purveyors of uh, health care uh, could uh, up the prices, I mean, uh, just make decisions that uh, perhaps would not be in the benefit of the uh, of the healthcare uh, recipient. Right. So that's a problem with every good or service in uh, in a market economy. True. Uh, providers can always increase their prices, but why don't they do that willy nilly? Why don't they gouge people all the time? It's because the consumer has choice. They can go to another producer who's not going to gouge them. And that producer has an incentive to reduce their prices lower than their competitors because that in- expands their market share. Yeah. And the same is true in, in the health sector of the economy. There have been lots of experiments that show when the consumer is controlling the money, you get price competition and falling prices rather than uh, – healthcare providers gouging patients because providers know that uh, when they're facing a price-sensitive patient, if they try to gouge them, those patients are going to go someplace else and the provider is going to get nothing. So interesting. So you suggested that Florida is one of the 10 or 12, I think, states that uh, didn't expand Medicaid uh, under Obamacare. Uh, My question is, uh, we currently do have people on Medicaid here in Florida. Uh, would there be two types of systems if, in fact, this idea was implemented? Would we have some people receiving cash and others who, who re- uh, remain on Medicaid as it's currently designed? That's what these uh, uh, colleagues of mine propose. But I think there are better, there are better ways of, uh, of going about uh, uh, reforming the Medicaid program that, that don't involve expanding it in states that don't want it. For example, you could try this program in a state that has already expanded Medicaid. For the Medicaid expansion population, you could give some of those enrollees or all of those enrollees cash. I, I would still have concerns about that approach, but it would not expand government as expand the, the increase the tax burden uh, in states that have already said they don't want it. Yeah. And uh, But an even better approach than that, I think, would be to do in a state that has already expanded Medicaid what the state of Oregon did with a Medicaid expansion of its own before Obamacare. They randomly assigned some people to get Medicaid coverage and other people not to get it. And then they measured the differences in health outcomes for those two groups. Smart. And you know what they found, Bob? I think we've mentioned this before. They found no difference in physical health outcomes between the people who got Medicaid and the people who didn't get Medicaid. Isn't that interesting? That is an astounding result. That should have thrown up a stop sign in front of the entire Medicaid expansion, in front of Obamacare itself. But because most of the health policy debate in this country is set by healthcare providers who spend the most money on lobbying and 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 uh, 
and really get to set the agenda. No one talks about the implications of that study and how it suggested that we should not only uh, not expand the Medicaid program, maybe we should cut it. I would like to see experiments like that in states that have already expanded Medicaid so we can gather more evidence about whether Medicaid is even improving the health of enrollees. That would be a much better approach than expanding it in states that don't want it. So interesting. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you'll visit the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be here, Bob. Thanks. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jeff Hayes. Jeff Hayes is an entrepreneurial, he's uh, got a new book out, Entrepreneurial Brain, How to Ride the Waves of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It. I didn't realize it was that scary, so we'll find out about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Jeff Hayes. He's an entrepreneur. He's also an author. His new book just came out on October the 3rd. It's called The Entrepreneurial Brain. How to Ride the Waves of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's great to be with you again. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, well, I'm so intrigued by the title. And uh, maybe you could tell us why you wrote the book, The Entrepreneurial Brain, How to Ride the Waves of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It. Yeah, this was a book I, I pretty much had to write. Um, I'm, I'm a member of a bunch of different masterminds. There's one entrepreneurial mastermind that, that I've been a member of for 10 years. And we were sitting around as a group talking, and there was a discussion. And, and one of the things we noticed, we all think differently, and that's the reason we like to get together. We're, we're uh, we're hunters in a world built for farmers. We mm. think differently. We're, we look abnormal to the people around us. And we, we see these unique 
unique characteristics that we have. But one of the people started talking about that their kids um, were two of his kids, the people at school, the teachers at school and experts were saying that they wanted their kids to be on ADD medication. And all of a sudden, the room started talking and it was common amongst many of the people there that their kids, you know, the teachers all said their kids should be on ADD medication. Yeah. And we, it was something that we all had in common. And the basic theme that after doing a bunch of research I came up with is that many of us feel broken uh, because we're different. We don't, if we have an entrepreneurial brain, we see the big picture, we talk too much, we believe our own BS. There's the great quote from Steve Jobs is, here's to the crazy ones the ones who think they can change the world because they're the ones who do. And so there's some wonderful things, you know, imagine Elon Musk brain who he makes a hundred million dollars and then proceeds to invest in uh, SpaceX where he can send with the goal of sending human beings to Mars. And his other goal is to electrify, uh, the automobiles when both of these things were like government level projects yeah. that couldn't have been done by an, an individual prior to that time. And Elon Musk mind says, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And so there, there's something different about us and to people that, that spell words the same way every time and, and color inside the lines, our minds look broken. And, and the basic theme is that, um, you're not broken, A, and B, if you have an entrepreneurial brain, here's what to do about it. Well, that's so interesting, Jeff. Yeah, I, I'm inferring from the title that there's some downsides and hazards when it comes to being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And it's not just, you know, for example, social rejection or others thinking you're just different. But uh, I know that business people start businesses and fail. That's got to be difficult, that start businesses and succeed. And success has its own penalties in many ways. Do you, do you address that in your book? Yeah, this is the, the first half of the book is really the different mindsets that are helpful to adopt. And then the second half of the book are the basic skills that you're going to need to succeed. Because of the fact that, that we believe our own BS, we, we can injure everyone around us mm. in the process of, you know, raising money from our friends, family, and neighbors. Suddenly you find you have no place to have Thanksgiving dinner because your <laughs> wild dreams uh, have you know crashed everybody on the rocks. Yeah. And, and again, the positive side of this, literally the vast majority of people employed in this country are employed by small businesses, not by large businesses right. or by government. Right. And so the, we're the engine that drives this economy. If you remember the book Anti-Fragile, it came out in 2013. The, in there, he has a chapter about entrepreneurs, and he says we should have a National Entrepreneur Day and celebrate these guys because the reality is nine out of every ten businesses started fails. Yeah. And you know, the, these entrepreneurial brains are the ones that you know, dealt failure they come back and say, okay, I can do it again. I'll get it right this time and, and do. Yeah. And we really do need to celebrate this, this brain. At the same time, we also need to be careful of it. Well, it's kind of interesting. There's a, a study that was completed, and uh, I don't know why this popped in my brain, but I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, they have IQ tests and uh, all kinds of emotional uh, quotient tests that you could do, but uh, apparently any test, uh, there's very little ability to predict which mind is an entrepreneurial mind. In other words, uh, with any tests that have been completed, just there's it's kind of a random thing. Some people have it and some people don't. What are your thoughts? So, uh, one, there is a test, ah. and it's called the Colby test, K-O-L-B-E. Uh -huh. uh, the woman who created it, I She's got to be near 80 now. Um, is named Kathy Colby. And it, it literally tests for this. And it's not cognitive ability. 
its cognitive ability. Uh, there's a researcher named David Gardner who wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Edge, and he points out and then tracks through history and then does do research about this. Imagine it's the 1600s, 1700s, and our relatives are in Ireland or they're in Scotland or they're in England, and they hear about this place called America that doesn't have any infrastructure. It's got uh, you know, wild natives that you know may support you or may kill you. It's a wild frontier, and we're over there. Our relatives are over there and go, yeah, that sounds good. I'll get on a ship and ride across the ocean that I may not survive to create a completely new economy and new infrastructure. For some reason, if you live in the United States, your relatives made that decision yeah. and decided that made sense. And so because of that, we genetically have a predisposition to higher risk-taking. That's why this the United States is the land of entrepreneurs. And so this genetic history, it looks a lot like bipolar disorder in that in bipolar disorder, there's 10 basic characteristics um, some good, some bad. We, you know, we think the rules don't apply to us. We believe our own BS. We tend to talk too much. We tend to talk too loud. Uh, they tend to act out sexually. Uh, there are all these characteristics in bipolar that are shared by many people with an entrepreneurial brain. The difference is people that are bipolar tend to bounce from guardrail to guardrail. Yeah. Or they, you know, very excitable and then very low lows. And this, uh, instead of hypermania, this hypomania, we tend to go up and then just stay there. So interesting. And, so, Jeff, uh, who is your, what is your intended audience for the book? Who should read Entrepreneurial Brain, How to Ride the Ways of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It? Yeah, anyone who, who thinks they're different uh, who's known their difference since they were a kid. Maybe they didn't do, like, uh, my sister is a, a regent's professor at a medical school. Uh, he, you know, she has a grant from the NIH, huge uh, in her field, uh, tremendous amount of education, and I'm a high school dropout. And, and so if you think you have uh, this brain, you have entrepreneurial leanings, or if you love somebody who does, um, and it'll help you understand them, the main message for entrepreneurs is there's some guardrails that you can put into your life that take advantage of your unique skills uh, and make sure that you don't injure yourself, your family, the people you love, um, and, and the world around you. Like I said, this economy would collapse without us, but the entrepreneurial brain our prisons are filled with people who think the world, the rules don't apply to them. So interesting. Again, the name of the book is uh, The Entrepreneurial Brain, How to Ride the Waves of Entrepreneurship and Live to Tell About It by Jeff Hayes, H-A-Y-S. Uh, check it out. Get a copy. It sounds like a fascinating read, Jeff. I really appreciate your time here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thanks so much for having me on again. Thank My you. pleasure indeed. Thank you. But he wrote a documentary about, he did a documentary on uh, <clears throat> uh, the real Anthony Fauci. It's a two-part series that uh, you might want to Google and check that out as well. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 
325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. And you can find out more at the website, thefga.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. He's also the author of about a dozen books. His latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design by Larry Bell. And he writes a column for Newsmax.com. It's called uh, On Point. Terrific uh, article. Uh, Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure. So your latest column, Wrong Influences Give Us Corrupted Science. And I just appreciate this column so much. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, Bob. You know, this this is a subject that uh, I've been drilling on for a long time, going back to my, really my first book about, on the subject about 10 years ago, about, it's titled Climate of Corruption, mm-hmm. Politics and Power Behind the Global Warming Hoax. And of course, it was, I wasn't really saying that warming is a hoax, because warming and cooling has been going on for millions of years, but it's rather the the information that we've gotten on it is, is very... Uh, it follows a political agenda that's very powerful and it's multi-layered. It's the United Nations and their intergovernmental panel on climate change and and on down the line. But I think what, what really motivated me to bring it up again is that I think there's a growing recognition in the public and of you know a reason for distrust of what what is put out as uh, you know trust the science mantra. Mm-hmm. And and the issue is really whose science are we talking about? You know, we we've had some big wake up calls regarding the you know the, the rates in line between what popular science and pro- popular propaganda and and we think of you know I mentioned the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change IPCC and and it's you know even some of its key members were it said this even more than a decade ago that, that uh, you know, the mission of, of the United Nations is, and its climate policy is really wealth redistribution. Mm-hmm. You know, it's don't, don't have any illusion that it's about climate. And, and AOC's advisor, you know, her, her former advisor or spokesman years ago, essentially said the same thing. You, th- you thought this Green New Deal was about climate? No, it's you know, it's not. It's about uh, energy policy and so on. But then you I mean, fast fast forward and we think of, you know, the, the COVID thing, you know, World Health Organization, you know, that, uh, you know, the, you know, the COVID-19 virus came from penguins or whatever, you know, and in a wet market. Well, no, not really. It actually came from from a laboratory in Wuhan that was Run by the communist uh, Chinese Communist Party, that was uh, funded by you know 
our own government, the taxpayer money. Now we're learning that the uh, you know the CIA really worked with uh, Fauci's organization yeah. and, uh, to 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 push that push that mantra, knowing it was not true. And uh, I'm thinking of how Peter Daszak, you know, who was the the, the bagman, the guy that that, that uh, was supposed to go to Wuhan to, to to get the information about the laboratory, and he was the guy that actually transferred the money from from the U.S. You know, and we had the guy who authorized it was you know head of you know the, the programs that that said mask mandates were going to save us or protect us and. And, and social distancing and shutting down our, our lives and our children and in, in the in the Centers for Disease Control that to me it's just absolutely outrageous. We saw government funded ads saying that that vaccines were were safe for infants yeah. with no possible long term uh, studies of of health effects and you know on and on and on where you know we say when I hear trust is science. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it's absolutely outrageous. We uh, we see the, you know, we've we've seen for for years the, uh, you know the you know the, the universities, you know, where publish or perish, you know, is important getting grants and so on. When you have the government providing the grants for climate, for example, you're not going to get funded mm-hmm. unless you unless you're looking for a dead polar bear somewhere. You know, it's. <laughs> You know, and, 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 you know, the fellow recently admitted publicly that you know, he, he changed his research paper to get it published yeah. and on and California wildfires because, uh, you know, removing every, every cause other than, other than climate, he did it to get published. And, and, and I've seen this for years and the people, you know, there are 1,609 uh, internationals that, Throughout, you know that that put out this declaration that there's no climate emergency, and there would have been six sixteen hundred and eight without me. Right. But but it's it's uh you know and they and they point out the reasons that you know that this 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 uh, uh, war against carbon dioxide, which is plant food, you know, and it and the notion that that carbon dioxide, which which is essential for photosynthesis. Is something we should eliminate. You know, you know, it's that's been a deal we that we, uh, you know, we you know, uh, oxygen breathing uh, creatures have made with with trees a long, long time ago. Yeah, and and so it's on and on and on and the whole. You know, the I think this is it's a deep distrust that people are going that 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 we can't we cannot trust government information uh, because. Because, like everything else, it has been politicized. It's been weaponized, and and in our busy lives, we can't analyze every report. Climate's really complicated, so so it's a he said, she said. Well, it's this or that, and, and the public 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 has a very short attention span, mm-hmm. and and so that's what they've been getting away with. They say, well, the experts say so, you know, and say, well, okay, then it must be true because the experts, you know. Experts are, are never identified. Yeah, I, you know, I write a lot, and 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 you know I uh, I've had articles fact checked, and then I checked the backgrounds of the fact checkers, and they had they had no credentials. <laughs> Professor, it's just astounding to me. I mean, I uh, you know when you think about the WHO, the World Health Organization, you think about the CDC, the FDA, uh, I would have no trust in any of these organizations, unfortunately. Uh, there's and uh, once you find a voice that you can trust, and I would suggest that, for example, our uh, Surgeon General here in the state of Florida, uh, Lapado, is it or Ladapo? A terrific guy. You can trust what he says, in my opinion. But uh, again, I just genuinely appreciate your revealing this important information. And uh, Professor, again, I want to remind our listeners: you can go to uh, uh, Newsmax.com. The column is on point. And uh, the column is Wrong Influences Give Us Corrupted Science. Professor, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, I enjoy it and appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure indeed, Professor. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, 
Uh, we have some great guests coming up on Monday. Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Jonathan Mildemore is a, a senior writer and uh, editor for the Foundation for Economic Education. He'll be joining us as well as Jim McTagg, author and former uh, Barron's uh, Washington Bureau Chief will be with us as well. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you do, uh, please tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and uh, support our advertisers. Can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>